Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite crap beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast, also for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. I uh, want to give all of you a big thank you for that. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. All right, it's day whatever now of this coronavirus um, kind of war- dominating the news and everything. Uh, so I don't. Uh, I, I touched on it the last few episodes, and I'm not going to dive right into this coronavirus thing. But uh, today's episode is a sports related episode. It is going to be hockey related. We are winding down the NHL season. Uh, so I don't want to really talk too much about the coronavirus stuff. Let's keep it upbeat. Let's talk and uh, distract ourselves here with a little bit of hockey talk today, uh, which I think should help lighten the mood considerably, or at least hopefully. Uh, but nonetheless, we are down to the final home stretch here of 12 games in the NHL season. Uh, we'll see how this plays out here. I'm going to Uh, dive into uh, both the team aspects and the player aspects and take a look at how I think the season might finish up here for uh, the teams and the players. Uh, So let's talk about the teams, for instance, now. So uh, I guess maybe it's alphabetically, I'm not sure. But uh, when you look at, when you pull up most standing, uh, most standings on most websites, they do come up uh, Eastern, then Western. So we're going to take a look at that first. So first up in the Eastern Conference, we've got the Atlantic Division, which, I mean, <clears throat> up top is a two-team race. Two teams from that division have, I think, pretty much solidified uh, their playoff spots. Actually, 12, so they've got 13 to 26 points. I guess Florida could hypothetically uh, leapfrog if they went undefeated down the stretch here, but... Uh, don't know if that's going to happen. But anyway, it looks like two teams have pretty much solidified their spots in the top of the Atlantic Division. We've got Boston that's uh, got a comfortable lead in that division here at 100 points. The first team this year to the to 100 points. Probably going to win the President's Trophy. As I've talked about before, the Boston Bruins have proven over the last 15 years to just... Actually, probably even longer than that. Just to be the just the staple of consistency consistently contending, consistently, you know, rebuilding kind of on the fly, so to speak. They understand the idea of system, what it is to be a Bruin, what it is to play Bruins hockey. And, I mean, the cup appearances don't lie. I mean, they do have the cup win in there as well, um, but they have fallen short a few times here moving, you know, looking at what they've done. But still, they are a perennial contender in the Eastern Conference and the NHL-wide, so you got to give it to the Boston Bruins there and uh, what they've been able to do, and I mean, they've had different GMs in that time, different coaches, but still that consistency of play. So the Boston Bruins look like they're going to be the President's Trophy winners. They've gone four and one in their last five games. Uh, looking down the stretch here at tw- uh, their last 12, I could very easily see, you know, an 8 2 and 2 stretch here to close out the season. I don't know what their remaining schedule here is, but 8 2 and 2 would give them. Uh, 18 points I could out of a possible 24 which I think would secure them that different I mean Tampa Bay has to make up eight points that's hard to do um, considering they've gone two, uh two two and one in their last five so Boston's been uh, kind of pacing them a little bit 
there. Uh, in other news, uh, but for that third spot is where it gets interesting. So Toronto has built a, li- a little bit of a comfortable lead now over Florida. I mean, both teams are kind of equally shitting the bed uh, there. Florida at least is on a two-game win streak, uh, but uh, and they do have the game in hand, but Toronto does have a three-point lead. I do think if the Maple Leafs can kind of keep things together and keep their component, that, that California road trip was disastrous. Um, I think that was where you saw the, uh, yeah, so they lost to San Jose 5-2. to two, Then they had an overtime loss to L.A. Or shootout loss to L.A. Then uh, the 2-1 loss to Anaheim. And two of those losses in regulation. So that, they didn't even pick up points there. Like, that was disastrous. Uh, picking up one out of a possible six points there against uh, those lowly California teams, which have kind of bottom-dwelled a little bit. Uh, yeah, the California teams represent the last three places in the Pacific Division. So there you go. Um... Actually, uh, we can take it one step further. They represent the bottom of the Western Conference. So in the when facing the bottom of the Western Conference, the Leafs managed to pick up a lowly one out of a possible six points. That's unacceptable. Uh, when you do look at the Florida Panthers, uh, and they're, they have two overtime losses and uh, one regulation loss in their last five, they got to overtime against Boston, I mean, who is the league leader, and against Chicago, who has managed to, I mean, find a way. I mean, they're probably not getting a playoff, but they've been a weird team. And um, not so much stayed alive in the playoff race, but just kind of been a thorn in teams' sides, I think. And have kind of kept teams on their toes and been kind of that wake-up call, that balance and check. So they did lose to Chicago there, and their regulation loss came to Calgary, who is battling uh, for a playoff spot in the Pacific Division. So... Makes sense there, but I think they are coming off a couple of big wins here. They beat Montreal, well, that's not that. And but they did beat uh, Western Conference League St. Louis Blues, which is uh, quite the feat. So when you look at Toronto, they, I mean, Toronto came off the big win last night in Tampa Bay. So nonetheless, I do think we're going to see a situation there where the divisional teams will probably be in the Atlantic Division: Boston, followed by Tampa, followed by Toronto. Uh, with Tampa Bay uh, getting the home ice. Either situation there, unless... I mean, Toronto on paper is a much better team than Columbus was last year. So anything is possible. However, I do see whichever team Tampa Bay beats, I hope they've probably learned their lesson. I mean, they are going to be without Steven Stamkos for a little while still, but uh, whichever team they face, they're probably... I mean, Toronto... Oops, as I'm losing my mic here, I do apologize for that. Uh, But Toronto needs to get over this kind of mental hurdle they have been having these last few seasons. Uh, First round, seven game losses only get you so far. It's only so acceptable, in my opinion. And again, I could be wrong on that, but I mean, I think we have to call a spade a spade there and just, I mean... Toronto's got to sh- has kind of been shooting the bed and getting the playoffs. It, it, it's no longer just acceptable to get into the playoffs. And in a, in a sport where more than half the teams get in the playoffs, it's kind of what you should be doing. So Toronto's got to get their shit together. This has to be a breakout season for them, in my opinion. Yeah, they had the whole thing at the beginning of the year, but I mean, we can all make excuses for whatever we want. Toronto has got to get their shit together, get out of the first round uh, of the playoffs. So that's going to be a series to watch. In the Met, we have an interesting case here where Philadelphia has been the hot team uh, of the three divisional spots. 
the three teams that are occupying the divisional spots right now kind of have a comfortable lead there. And I think they are going to represent the one, two, and three spots in the Met. I don't know which order that'll finish in, but... Uh, Pittsburgh, that was in the in first place in the Met not so long ago, is now third. Pit, uh, Philadelphia has climbed into second, only one point behind Washington, and uh, Washington, of course, in first, uh, with 90, 89, 86 points respectively. So it'll be an interesting battle there. Uh, the wild card spots are currently occupied by Carolina and Columbus. So imagine that the Columbus lost to Zingle, Duchesne and Panarin, as well as Bobrovsky in the offseason, and still have a chance to make the playoffs. If so, I do believe Jack Adams' trophy has to go to John Tortorella this year. Uh, To be able to do what he's done with that Columbus team is incredible, uh, given the players they lost. So I'd like to see Columbus. I think that would be the feel-good story. Um... As I said last year, I was very hard on Columbus, as I do feel, and I still do stand by that. They were the biggest losers of the trade deadline last year. Uh, So, I mean, they go from being the biggest losers of the trade deadline to being this kind of Cinderella story this year. We'll see how far it gets them. Seeing as how they'd be looking at a matchup against Boston, Boston's not Tampa Bay. Boston's been to the show. Boston knows what it takes. I don't like their chances of beating Boston in the first round, but... Anything can happen. And we would also see a first-round rematch between Washington and Carolina, which would be interesting there, where Washington, I believe, lost a 3-1 series lead to the Carolina Hurricanes or something like that last season. I, I know that they lost in seven, from what I remember, uh, which was which was horrible for me. I'm a big Caps fan. Uh, but that's how I see that playing out there. Uh, it'll be interesting because... If I'm not mistaken, let's take a look at how the wild card race looks. All right. So, yes. So, here's... Oh, no. I guess Toronto... Regulation wins. Yeah. So, I guess Toronto would um, take up a wild card spot now. But it was kind of scary looking for a while there where... If Toronto actually lost their divisional spot, they would be out of the playoffs. Now it kind of looks like they're going to make the playoffs. I guess there's a website uh, I keep hearing on Overdrive and Leafs Lunch where they talk about uh, where it gives you the percentages uh, that a team makes the playoffs. So that would be something interesting to check out for any of you out there. But uh, yes, I do think the teams that are currently occupying playoff spots probably going to get them an interesting one i mean new york has to make up ground and i think these teams that i the islanders have kind of blown their shot they've gone oh three and two in their last five games to really have a shot going into your last 12 games there needs to be some kind of formula of nine oh and three in my opinion uh if you're on the outside looking in, you really need to heat it up an eight one and three could maybe get you there uh, but I mean, the, the only thing the Islanders have going for them is the two games in hand on Columbus, but they don't have games in hand on Carolina. Uh, but I, I, I do think to be truly in control of your own destiny, there has to be some sort of eight Oh and four nine Oh and three combination there that gets you in an eight win combination, uh, in your last 12 games to me, uh, which would represent a 66% winning chance. Uh, Right? Yes. 
So there has to be a nine win. You need to be winning roughly 75% of your games. There's a nine win combo in there that gets you in. So I think that it's a nine win combo. However you get those nine wins, whether it be nine and four, nine, yeah, no, nine and three, nine, oh, and three, nine, one and two, nine, two and one, whatever it is, there's a nine win combo. In my opinion, if you're on the outside looking in that you need to get to, to secure yourself a playoff spot. Well, we examine that. We will re-examine that. And as I said last season, there's a seven-win combo there that gets you in in your last 10 games. Uh, but, and I would even go as far as to say there's a 15-point combo in your last 10 games that gets you in if you're on the outside looking in. But, moving to the West, uh, things get interesting there. So, let's go back to the divisional outlook, or the divisional standings. Up first, we've got the ever-tough uh, Central Division. Uh, where, I mean, the, the pack is kind of separating itself a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, even there in the wild card spots. Man, that wild card. There's a three, three, four teams all battling, pardon me, for wild card spots. Uh, which is going to be interesting. But atop the central, and I think these these ones I would, you know, I'm, I would take to the bank again like the, uh, like in the Metropolitan. I do believe these will be the three divisional spots in the Western Conference. Uh, St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas. Uh, whichever order they finish in, that could that's still to be determined. Uh, but I, I could, I do. Th- well, it's going to be Colorado and Dallas one, two. Dallas will be third in the division. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the Dallas matchup in the first round. In the Pacific Division, that has been a tight race going back and forth all season. Like it seems like every week there's a new division leader there. So it's whichever team kind of can stay the hottest, I think, moving forward. The difference is though is is Vegas has kind of put themselves ahead a little bit. Now with the three point cushion, whilst Edmonton and Calgary do have games in hand. Each of those teams have come up with three win combos. Edmonton has done the best going three, one, and one in their last five, but they've each come up with three win combos uh, in their last five games. Therefore, and I mean, looking at their schedules, Winnipeg's battling, so I don't like that, you know, that. Uh, Calgary's got the Islanders, which could be an interesting matchup there. I mean, the Islanders have shit the bed last five games, so I imagine that's Calgary is the one to watch there. But uh, I do think Vegas has kind of found their rhythm a little bit. And I do see them winning the Pacific. Uh, I think where you're going to see the most, uh, the interesting push here is going to be between Calgary and Vancouver. Vancouver is currently one point behind Calgary. Arizona's kind of slipped off the map a little bit here. I don't see them catching um, a wildcard spot or the Pacific. So I think it's, it's going to be between Calgary and Vancouver for the third spot in the division. Uh, Vegas, comfortably, I think, well, well, not comfortably, but they will take, I think, the Pacific Division this year, uh, followed by the Oilers. So that is going to be the race in the in the Pacific Division to watch. Calgary and Vancouver. Vancouver with a game in hand on Calgary. So, interestingly enough, there. Uh, again, a team could go hot here. Team getting a 9-win combo in their last 12 games, a 10-win combo in their last... 13 makes things interesting 20 points a lot of points and can change things drastically uh for any one of these teams i think the difference though is vegas is eight points up on the canucks right so in them getting to 12 or to 20 points vegas needs to get to get 12 to get to that point so vegas does have that leeway there and that's why i said i think vegas is probably walking away with that division especially if they all keep pace with each other the way they are 
Vancouver is the only one that kind of has the little bit of leeway here um, in battling Calgary just because they have that game in hand. Um, but taking a look now at the wild card kind of diagram here in the Western Conference, we have the top two wild card spots being currently occupied by Vancouver and Nashville. So Nashville, as I've said, has been probably the, one of the big, in my opinion, probably the biggest disappointment in the NHL this season. Uh, when I look at all the teams. I mean, Pittsburgh had the injury issues and whatnot. Uh, Toronto, well, we don't even need to get started on that. Uh, but I don't know if Toronto's that big a disappointment story to me. And the reason why is I've come to a point now where I think the Maple Leafs just are what they are. They're a great team on paper. They're an offensively stacked young team that doesn't really isn't going to get too far in the playoffs. They're going to get to the playoffs, and that's kind of about it. Um, it could be a heart thing. It could be whatever it is, but they just, I don't, I don't view them if they not made the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, then they could easily be the biggest disappointment in the NHL. They should be making the playoffs. They should comfortably be making the playoffs. That's, I think, the bigger disappointment to me. But playoffs, um, nonetheless, Nashville, if both teams hadn't made the playoffs, it would have been a toss-up for me. Uh, both are currently occupying playoff spots, though. So, again, we'll see how this shapes out. I, my beloved Jets. Oh, my beloved Winnipeg Jets. They've gone 4-1 and one in their last five games, meaning some kind of nine-win combo in their last 12 games is very possible. Projecting that ahead, that would put them at 8-2 and two in their 10. So, I mean, it is possible. I'd like to see them do it, but essentially they need to. The Jets here need a 9-10 to win combo. However they get there, however those numbers got up, in their last 12 games. they 20 points here, I would imagine, is what they, you know, gets them in. Uh, now, of course... I say that our team's going to get 20 points in the last down the stretch here. I don't know. But, again, a nine-win combo, I would imagine, gets them comfortably into the playoffs. They are tied uh, with Nashville and Vancouver. I guess they just lose the tiebreaker, and that's the, that's the issue. So they need to get past this tiebreaker. A nine-win combo in the last 12 games gets them in the playoffs, in my opinion. I don't know if they can get there. I'd like to imagine they can. I really would. Uh, so hopefully, <laughs> as I say that, hopefully, but again, it's a tough one. Minnesota has kind of crept into this picture. They're one point back of a wild card spot. Again, going three and two. The, the interesting thing, as I've said, is the fact that Vancouver actually has the worst, uh, record in their last five. Winnipeg's got the best one. Uh, but again, last year, Winnipeg in control of their own destiny for the central division blew it lost in the first round so this is a Winnipeg Jet team that does have a bit of a habit of finding ways to let me down so we'll see how that shapes up uh I don't know honestly that's the hardest part for me right now I really don't know how the wild card thing finishes in the west and I encourage all you hockey fans out there that's gonna be something interesting to watch this that's actually gonna be the most exciting race for me down the stretch here is watching how that Western Conference wildcard race shapes up, plays out, who gets what spot, who gets into the playoffs, and who doesn't. So that would be something to keep in mind. 
Uh, but shifting gears here, let's take a look at some of the um, individual player races and impact they could have. Amazingly enough, the grade eight looking for more for Rocket Richard Trophy number nine. Uh, tied with David Pasternak for the lead league in 40 with 48 goals. If he gets to 50th, uh, to 50 this year, he will tie Mike Gartner for seventh. If he gets to 51, he will end the season as the seventh, uh, most prolific goal scorer in NHL history. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing to think that we've gotten to witness that. Like it's, it's absolutely crazy when you think about that. I was just talking to my buddy, Nick, uh, I think it was last week where we were saying like, we got to witness one of the greatest and truly lived up to the hype player. I mean, they didn't, they, I don't think they hate each other, but just rivalries and careers. And in a situation where they never played with each other in the Ovechkin Crosby era, these are two guys that have put up amazing career numbers. And I mean, you know, and they both have a bit of what could have been in their careers, but have both lived up to the hype and never played with each other. You know, it's not like a situation where players had inflated numbers because they played with Gretzky. It's not like Lemieux and Yager who played with each other. These are guys that played against each other. Never with each other unless it was an all-star game. Anyway, Ovechkin and Pasternak tied with 48 goals. Matthews right behind them at uh, 47 Behind that at 43 is Leon Dreisaitl. And then there's, a few, I think, a couple of players at least. Uh, Mika Zibanejad. What a story there. Uh, good for the kid. Big fan of his. I mean, he surprised a lot of people because he was taken pretty high in the draft by Ottawa. Then they let him go to the Rangers. And, I mean, a 40-goal season there. Uh, fewest games to get to 40 goals by a Ranger. Uh, first Ranger to do it since Rick Nash. Incredible. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, where there was a whole thing where Montreal kind of fucked up, made him the offer sheet. Carolina had to match it. At least he's put up 40 goals. So uh, that'll be an interesting race. I got to say, I got to go with my boy, the grade eight, OV1 Kenobi, uh, Alex Ovechkin uh, with the win. Uh, I think he gets it done this year. I'd like to see him at least get to 51. I would, Even if he doesn't get the Rocket Richard Trophy, I'd like to see him get to 51. Uh, so we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, Points-wise, I mean, Dreisaitl's got this one, I think. Uh, the only person that really, I mean, McDavid's second, Pasternak's right behind him at 95, and Panarin's there at 94, but again, they have to make up 15 points down the stretch. It's tough in the last 12 games to go plus 15 on a player. Right? Like, that's ridiculous to think about that the point totals that these guys would have to put up. Dreisaitl's got that locked up. Um, but shifting over to the goalies, pardon me, which is going to be kind of interesting here. Andre Vasilevsky's really uh, been lights out and, and really just been incredible this second half of the season in that he's put up a lot of wins. He is going for back-to-back uh, Vezina trophies, something that I think only three other goalies have ever accomplished. Martin Brodeur, Dominic Hasek, and Patrick Waugh, I believe. So very elite company. Very fucking elite company. Does he get there, though? And there, I mean, unless there's... And there's been... Unless there's like a record-breaking season, right? Where a guy gets to a record or something in net like most wins, like Braden Holtby did a few years ago when he got to 48 and tied it. I don't know that we encounter a situation here where wins is going to be purely indicative 
of getting the job done to win the Vezina. Outside of wins, um, Vasilevsky's not in the top five in any of the other categories, any other major goaltending categories. Um, right behind him in wins is uh, uh, Jordan Binnington and Connor Hellebuck, both with 30 wins. Uh, we've got uh, this Merzlikens uh, ca- uh, character in Columbus, who is fifth in, in um, goals against, as well as fifth in save percentage and second in shutouts. Uh, I should take a look at what his numbers are in terms of wins. Let's see here. I'm not even sure what the guy's first name is. Elvis. Elvis is in the building. Uh, oh. Merzlikens is not winning the Vezina. Sorry, uh, everybody there. He only has 33 games played, um, which is ridiculous. That in third... Yeah, like, is this is this for real? So in his first year, I guess. Hmm. But uh, in 13 wins, he has five shutouts, uh, which is incredible. But no, I guess, no, he's out of the Vezina tro- conversation. Uh, for me, I think it is a three-goalie race for the Vezina. I mean... Even you could argue a f- probably a five-goalie race. So those five goalies that are at top of the wins, so you have Vasilevsky followed by Bennington and Hellebuck, followed by Anderson, followed by Marc-Andre Fleury, all have great arguments. Uh, you also have Tuka Rask, who's managed to stay uh, relevant this season. How, what's Tuka's numbers? Take a look here. Tuka's put up some good numbers. 26, 8, and 6 leads the league in save percentage and five shutouts. Tuka Rask could be getting another Vezina trophy this year, so we'll see. I mean, it's an interesting situation we have. I want to say this, and yes, I might be biased because he plays for my beloved Winnipeg Jets. I truly am going to make the prediction that Connor Hellebuck, who has faced the most shots, made the most saves, and leads the league in shutouts gets the Vezina Trophy this year. I don't think other than wins, I mean, especially when you look at what Vasilevsky plays behind. This is a team that should be probably winning another President's Trophy or contending for another President's Trophy in Tampa Bay. Winnipeg has gotten depleted this season. They lost their number two centerman. They lost their entire back end just about. And yet Hellebuck keeps them in. Hellebuck might even be in the conversation for the Hart Trophy this year. I think, I mean, it's a long shot, but... Don't be surprised that you see Hellebuck in both the Vezina nominees and the Hart Trophy nominees this season, and possibly winning both. I, You know, yes, David Pasternak's put up great numbers in Boston and whatnot, and Ovechkin and all of that, and Dreisaitl. I mean, Dreisaitl was point for point there with McDavid, and yes, he's put up points without McDavid when McDavid was injured, I think that it goes vice versa too. I think McDavid puts up even bigger numbers without Dreisaitl. So I think Dreisaitl, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I like Leon Dreisaitl. I'm nothing against Leon Dreisaitl, but he's not Connor McDavid. Let's, let's be clear about that. He is not Connor McDavid. But again, points do speak. He could get the Hart Trophy, but don't be surprised to see uh, one, con- especially if the Jets get in the playoffs. I think this is really dependent on the Jets getting in the playoffs. Jets get in the playoffs, don't be surprised to see Connor Hellbuck in both of those conversations. Uh, I just, I don't know that I'm a believer in Andre Vasilevsky just yet. I really am not. He's, 
Hasn't done it for me in the playoffs. I mean, this was a guy that John Cooper, his own current head coach, felt it was better to put Ben Bishop on one leg in the net, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, arguably costing his team the Stanley Cup, than have Andre Vasilevsky in that net. Uh, I think that, to me, still continues to speak volumes when it comes to Andre Vasilevsky and there's just something there. I don't know. I just, I can't get there yet on the guy. Like me personally, I don't think he's a top, I don't even know if he's a top five goalie in the NHL. Like that's the thing. If I had to build a team, you know, if I was drafting a team or whatever, or fancy, I don't know that I'm wanting to get Vasilevsky. I just don't know. And that's why it's tough. For me to go and say, yes, Vasilevsky, get there. I'd even say Jordan Binnington could uh, get the uh, Vezina Trophy this year. I mean, the kid's been on a hell of a run since January of last year. So, I think there's a lot of goalies that you can make arguments for. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury kept the Golden Knights in this. Now they finally have a decent backup in Robin Leonard. And I feel bad for for young Malcolm Subban. It just seemed like he never got there. And I'm trying to see, maybe he was traded... um, at the deadline? Yeah. So he was part of the trade to the um, Blackhawks for uh, Robin Leonard. So, I mean, that is an upgrade in net. Uh, I think the Golden Knights gave Subban every chance they could. Just didn't get there. Uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> here I am with that again. Seems to be my catchphrase here on the Seems Legit podcast, rather than Seems Legit. Uh, but anyway... Again, I just cannot get there on Vasilevsky, and I don't think he gets a Vezina. I don't know. I don't think he's the best goalie. I just don't think he is the best goalie in the NHL. So therefore, I can't give him the Vezina. Pardon me. It's as simple as that. But anyway, I thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit podcast. Remember, take whatever health precautions you need to when it comes to uh, the virus going around right now. Uh, you know, hopefully. Uh, things kind of calm down and whatnot. But, I mean, there's still a lot of limbo going on as we're seeing, you know, games getting closed to fans and whatnot. But you have to take all these precautions right now. It is a necessary evil. Uh, But, nonetheless, everybody, uh, thank you so much for tuning in this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast and the continued growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. Thank you so much. Take care and bye-bye for now.